In the meantime, Julia curled up in the corner of the shack and refused to eat or drink. She was skinny to begin with, and now she seemed determined to waste away from disappointment. I'm sorry my friend wasn't there, he said. It seems like he was arrested by the fascists before we got to the market. Bad luck. Daytime was sleep time for fishermen, but Chenzo stayed awake in case the girl threw herself overboard. He felt the cool breath of rain on its way. He had a built-in barometer when it came to the weather. A light patter on the roof of the hut might be the perfect company for a nap, but it was not a luxury he and the girl could afford, not both at the same time. You go to sleep, Chenzo said. I'll let you know if anyone is coming. Would anyone come? Not really. Chenzo cupped his cigarette and watched through an open slat as rows of whitecaps marched across the lagoon. People drowned. His younger brother Hugo never learned how to swim. Some fishermen were like that as if knowing how to swim invited the necessity. A few fishing boats headed to the dock for new nets or a change of gear. Some fishermen he knew by their sails, like Scarpa's Barking Dog, Zanaro's Panther, and Busetto's Unicorn. He saw no pleasure boats at all. To fishermen, people with yachts barely scratched the surface of the water. Fishermen were rough and tumble. Rich boys posed. He could imagine Julia on the fashionable end of the Lido among the hotel cabanas and Hollywood movie stars. Waiters carried cool drinks across the beach, and small planes towed banners celebrating Cinzano. Not now, of course. Movie stars didn't come to the Lido anymore. Death was fickle. Although the Germans must have found Lieutenant Hoff's body by now, they had not taken the customary Italian lives in return. At the same time, Russo had been plucked out of the fish market and replaced by a poster of Il Duce. Nets were more predictable. Every net, no matter what size or configuration, ended in what fishermen called a death chamber. This was the place of no escape, where fish swam round and round and went nowhere. He sat against the wall and closed his eyes. How did the girl get so far into the lagoon? That was where her story didn't add up. If she was so wealthy, why hadn't her family bought their way out of Venice? If her father was so smart, why did he wait so long? She herself was thoroughly brave. Chenzo gave her that much. He was startled awake by the sound of heavy pounding, and moved to the window. The rain had become a squall that turned the lagoon black and made the hut shudder on its legs. As the storm gathered in intensity, wind whistled through the floor planks. The Fatima was tied to pilings under the hut fore and aft. Craft at sea would head into the wind. In a fisherman's hut, there was nothing to do but listen to the boards twist and groan. The girl still slept. That was the gift of youth. He looked at the girl's hands and saw how delicate they were. His hands would end up looking like claws, shaped by the constant pulling on oars and wrestling with lines. No wonder he was such a crude example of mankind. For a moment there was an eerie silence, 
and then a soft thud as the boat nudged the hut. The second thud was harder. He went out onto the deck of the shack and stopped. The anchor line had snapped, and the Fatima had moved ninety degrees away from the ladder. As the wind picked up, the boat gathered strength and swung with more abandon into the pilings that supported the hut. This was not as God intended, Chenzo thought. Boxes and gear shot like shuttlecocks around the Fatima's deck and left no space to jump to. He needed to get on board, but every time he prepared to jump, the boat pitched and boxes slammed against the mast. A newly bought oar was on the deck of the fishing hut. He used it to slow the boat's momentum, but the blade broke off and flew into the air. Chenzo plunged into water that was waist-high one moment and over his head the next, dragging him one way and then the other. He looked up to see, like an apple.